So uh, just a brief recap. This is our silver in our series of Luke. Uh, I hope that you've been blessed by it. I've been blessed by it. So regardless of how you feel, I feel great about it. I feel good sitting with Jesus and being with him and, and just kind of getting to know the person of Jesus more and more. Uh, but last week we talked about these games that we tend to play. Uh, not the games necessarily that we actually play, but the games that we sometimes play with our faith. Uh, we might be playing the wrong game entirely. Uh, we saw that the Pharisees struggled with this. John the Baptist himself even struggled with this. And we ourselves struggle with this today. Are we playing the game that Jesus wants to play? Are we actually missing it completely? What story are we writing? What story are we, are we telling with our lives? And does it line up with what Jesus is calling us to live and to do in our lives? That was the big two questions. I hope you're blessed by it. Today we're going to start with a clip, and I just want you to enjoy greatness. Never before in history competition have we seen a 900. 9, 9, 9. 900, 900. Oh, you guys want to see the 900? Funny we see they're going to make it or kill himself trying. 900 with him is 10 years deep. Trying it so many times, I started to feel like this could be the ultimate disappointment, you know, if I if I just can't do it. <laughs> so that's why I was willing to just stick it at any cost, you know, if, if it meant that I was going to get taken out and taken to the hospital. Um, so be it, you know, it was worth the effort. I think it was a conscious decision, like, okay, everybody stop skating, let Tony try and make this. We all just wanted to get behind him and, and see him do it. Tony Hawk! Tony Hawk! Tony! Tony! Hawk! 900! 900! Oh! No way! The crowd wanting to see something spectacular. The whole other side of the skateboard community, knowing that this is history, this is something very special. They all wanted to see him make it as much as he wanted to make it. Nine! 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 If you're unfamiliar with that, that is the coolest human being to live on the North But to me, as a seven-year-old, I was seven years old when Tony Hawk did the 900. It's actually two and a half rotations on the skateboard. That's incredible, right? It's, it's one of those things that's never been done before until he did it in competition in front of all those thousands of people at the time when skateboarding was the coolest thing on the planet. And he was the coolest guy doing it. Right? It was so cool. I was seven years old when this took place, and I remember watching Sports Center or wherever I saw it the next day and just being dumbfounded at how cool and how unbelievable that was. It seemed impossible. And for a very long time, it was impossible, right? Nobody can rotate that many times in the air until this guy who is born for this exact purpose does it in front of thousands of people in person and millions upon millions of people who saw it after that. It was an impossible thing that after that day became possible. Tony Hawk does it, changes the landscape of how we view the sport in one fell swoop. I wanna ask you the question this morning, what is the thing that you saw was an impossible thing until you saw it completed? What was that one thing that you saw was impossible and then you saw it and it changed your entire perspective of the world? For me, this is one example. But right, growing up in the Space Coast, it might have been 
space travel, right? As a kid, maybe you grew up thinking that's something that's for sci-fi movies and not something that could really be accomplished in real life. But then one day there's people walking on the moon and that's unreal. All of a sudden now we're in the line at Chick-fil-A and there's a rocket in the air. It's like, oh, I didn't know there's a rocket launch today. You know, it's commonplace, but at one time that was an impossible thought. The very fact that we have cell phones in our pockets, miniature computers. I remember sitting in math class and my math teacher saying, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket for the rest of your life. Guess what, math teacher? <laughs> I do. We all do. I have the ability to know everything in a second, right? Any kind of trivial thing. Remember all the, who was in that movie? Was it this person? It's like, we'll never know. But nowadays, we go on IMDb and we instantly know. Those conversations are gone, <laughs> right? We have the ability to do that. At one time, we needed entire rooms to have one computer. But now the computer is literally in our pockets at all times. The things that were impossible become possible. Now, whatever that is for you, I want you to have that in your mind. It might be Tony Hawk. It might be something else entirely for you in in, in your life and your experience. But I want you to have that one thing in your mind that you thought was impossible that is now possible because it's been done. So just keep that in your mind, okay? We'll get back to it. So today we're going to be in in, in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to kind of just set the scene a little bit. So in Luke chapter 8, this is how it begins. Very, very important information before we get to what Alonzo just read for us. So let's set the scene. Let's get our place in the mindset of where Jesus is at this time. After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So I really want to set the scene for this group that is following along Jesus before he tells this parable. So many things to keep in mind at this time, right? He has these 12 disciples who are kind of random already, right? We have fishermen, we have a tax collector, we have a zealot. We have all sorts of people from all walks of life, people that normal rabbis probably would not want to have them falling around 24-7, right? But here's the 12. But then Luke adds in these other people, these very, very important people. Also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had come out. I bet you she was very fun at parties, right? Probably not so much, right? She was probably known socially for being that person, right? But now she's following Jesus. Very interesting. Now we have Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. That sticks out to me, and it should to you as well. Herod is not our ally in this situation. But Jesus has this person who's associated with an enemy following along and also contributing to the goal that Jesus is striving towards, right? And then we have Susanna. We know nothing about Susanna. It's kind of just an afterthought. And Susanna's there too, people. Don't know about her. Maybe she kind of falls under the category of evil spirits and diseases. And there's many other people there with them. And I can just imagine this group walking down the street together. And it's just odd. All these different people from all these different walks of life, social pariahs amongst the people who are following Jesus as he goes from town to town, picking up more and more of the socially outcast along with them. From town to town he goes, proclaiming the good news about the kingdom. And then we get to the parable that Alonzo just read for us. 
While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and it choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And so like most of the parables, people hear it and they don't really understand. So Jesus goes further to explain exactly what he meant in this parable. This is the meaning of this parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but then they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns and stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not, uh, they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Pretty straightforward. I love when Jesus does this. I love when he tells us exactly what he means. When we look at these groups, it's so easy to picture different people in your lives, right? You can picture the person who's on the path. You've encountered this person before, right? You've tried sharing the gospel with them, and they're just like, it's not for me. That's for somebody else. Keep on walking. Okay. Clear enough, right? Clear enough with that. We get to this rocky path, and I know for a fact I've encountered many, many people like this. The rocky path and the thorns, they're kind of similar, right? Where they have this experience with Jesus. It's joyful, but then eventually it goes away because it's just not for them at that time, right? I, I, I know so many of my friends that I went to Harding with, that I was in the Bible program with, that were studying to be ministers. They are so on fire for Jesus. They get their diplomas. They go work for a church, and about 18 months in, they don't like Jesus anymore. They don't like the church anymore. And that's so, so sad, but it happens all the time. Unfortunately, I see them in this, in this passage. Man, they had the joy of Jesus in their hearts and then life happens. Maybe good things even, right? It says here that the riches and the pleasures of life, they don't mature because of those things. They get in their way. They're searching for something that they are not necessarily getting on the path that Jesus is putting before them. And then we have this last part here, right? This good soil where good things come, this harvest, right, that says, uh, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. That's awesome. Many of us in this room are, are a kind of a manifestation of verse 15, right, where somebody came to you and they, they planted the seed of the kingdom of God in you and it sprouted and you have kids, maybe even grandkids who are faithful followers of Jesus because somebody did this for you and that's awesome. And I hope that when you read this, that you see yourself in the story. I hope that, and what's so interesting about the parables of Jesus is that different points in your life, they mean different things. And what's so interesting about this is that just because the seed was planted in good soil, it doesn't mean it always stays like that, right? There's different times I'm sure you can see your life where you might have been kind of choked out by the world, where the, the, the seed, it took root, but then it eventually did not produce any crop because the world was so consuming or your life experience at that time was so consuming 
Or you might even have been that person on the path where you're like, you know what? This is not for me. This is for somebody else. Keep on walking. I'm not going to take root. I'm not going to listen to you. But yet you're here today. And it's so interesting. You can, you can see these words and you can see yourself in these different places. And that's really, really awesome. But like I said, the parables of Jesus are so great because you can see yourselves in different places. So for today, I don't want you to necessarily see yourself in your own journey and how this took place in your life. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to not be ground or the rocky path or that person receiving the word. I want to challenge you to see yourself as the sower. I want, to, I want you to see yourself as the farmer who is scattering their seed, seeing what's going to take place in the lives of those around you. I want this to be a challenge this morning. I want you to feel a little bit bad this morning, okay? I'm sorry, but I do. Sometimes you got to feel bad in order to see where God is leading you to go. I want this to be a challenge to you this morning. And I want you to forget about necessarily where you've been in your life just for a moment. Okay, story is so important. We've shared testimonies in here before. It's so important. It's so crucial to, to how you share the gospel. But for a moment, I want you to think about where God might be calling you today rather than where you've been in the past, okay? Where you're going, where God is calling you to go as the sower, as the farmer in this parable and what you might be being told this morning. But as much as it is a challenge, I also want it to be an encouragement because I, I will be honest with you, this is one of my favorite parables in all the New Testament and all, all of Jesus' teaching. In fact, this is kind of the heartbeat for how I run my ministry, how I see ministry in general. Because Jesus promises us something in this parable that we cannot forget. That good soil exists. Can we say that together? One, two, three. Good soil exists. And since you said it out loud, you have to believe it. Since Jesus said it, you ought to believe it. But when I read this parable, I get immediately encouraged because it, it reminds me, you know what? Good soil does exist. Good soil does exist. Jesus tells us, therefore, it is truth, right? He says it, he speaks it, it is truth. But Jesus doesn't only speak it, right? He doesn't just say it's truth and just lets you go on your way. I want you to think back to the people who's following Jesus. He traveled from town, one town and village to another, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. These random guys are following him, devoting their lives to Jesus. Also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. These seemingly random women, these socially outcast women, they're following Jesus. Jesus not only says that good soil exists, but everybody who follows him and everybody who receives this word is a manifestation of that truth. Because the people that nobody wants anything with, Jesus is saying, hey, can I tell you about the kingdom of God? They're hearing it. They are the direct reflection of good soil existing. And it's so, so important because they are choosing to follow him. They are choosing to let the kingdom of God, the, 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 the word of the kingdom of God, transform their lives and change everything. Kind of a bunch of weirdos following Jesus at this time, but that is a direct reflection of good soil existing in Jesus saying, hey, it is possible for this to take place. These people prove that to be true. These verses encourage me uh, so much because it laughs in the face of status quo. And I'm not talking about the status quo of the world. 
I'm actually talking about the status quo of the church. We read these things and we hear about this good soil, but I think the status quo of the church is defied by this. Now, I'm going to get to that in just one second, but I have one more clip to show you. Another awesome thing that took place on a skateboard. So here is Guy Curry, one final attempt at the 1080. Can he do it right here, right He's now? He's getting higher and higher every time. Oh, yeah, stand up, stand up, sit. Oh! Told you! On the final attempt, he finally puts down the 10. I told you, man. Are you kidding me? I went 88. Go ahead, cry. That's thug tears. Cry the thug tears. The little baby thug tears. You good, son. You landed a 1080 for a Tony Hawk. Yep. So if you didn't hear it, that, that was Guy Curry. He's a Brazilian uh, professional skater. He's 12 when he did this. And if you didn't hear the announcer, he not only broke Tony Hawk's 900, he did a 1080, which is three full rotations. And it was cool because Tony Hawk was there at the ramp to congratulate him so many years later. And so I talked about the very beginning, what's the thing that you thought was impossible that became possible after you saw it? And Tony Hawk did it, and we're all like, yes, that is amazing. And then guess what happens years and years later? That impossible thing that we saw become possible gets broken again by a 12-year-old, nonetheless. And I'm sure there's going to come along a day where someone does another rotation or something else to the point where it's physically impossible to rotate anymore without the help of some machine or something. I don't know. But the impossible keeps being broken time and time again. In every sport, in every, every walk of life, the thing that we think that we get to the edge of, the precipice of, we go beyond and we figure out a way to do it. And that's encouraging for humanity, it's encouraging for sports and all that. But like I said about the status quo of church, the status quo of how we view good soil, the status quo of how we view discipleship, I think, unfortunately, we think that it's impossible. I think the church views it as something that is impossible for us to do effectively. And I'm not necessarily saying everybody in this room, but I think that many of us view discipleship in our terms, in our world, as impossible and we don't attempt it. I think we read about these parables when we say, it's, oh, that's good for Jesus, that's good for Jimmy, that's good for the elders, that's good for Leon, that's good for Michelle, that's good for all those people whose job it is to do that, but I can't do it because it is impossible. And I think the church has a problem with it because we view it as something that is unattainable. You might be saying, Jesus, Jimmy, that's not true. We're about discipleship. We just had a class. We just had John Magnuson come down here and teach us all about discipleship. Yeah, that's true, because the church is really good about talking about discipleship. Let's talk about it. I love talking about it. It's fantastic to talk about it. But the thing is, is I think we talk ourselves into this loop to where it's like, oh, I just need to learn one more thing before I go out and do it. It's impossible for me to go and talk to that person because I don't have that one last resource. I need to watch one last video or have one last class about discipleship before I go out and do it. It's impossible for me to do it in this place in my life. That's not true. But the fact is, is that that, to me at least, seems to be a status quo of the church. And I, I don't think we would ever use that language I don't think anybody in here would say that specifically, that it is impossible for us to do that, but our actions kind of make it seem that way. This is something I kind of thought of this week 
As long as we believe things are impossible, we will always fail to try. I, I, I show you these skateboard tricks as kind of a fun way to kind of relate this, this message to you, but these people saw an opportunity to do this crazy thing on the skateboard, and they're putting their bodies through absolute destruction in order to do the thing that they have in their mind. And we saw Tony Hawk do the 900, and we're like, man, that's incredible. We see this guy, Guy Churi, do it, and we're like, man, that's incredible. And the thing is, they keep breaking down these boundaries and saying, what is impossible? In fact, I think we can go one more step, right? We can go further and further and further. It is possible, but as long as we think it's impossible, we're not going to try it. As long as we think that we cannot be about discipleship in our lives, we can't have those conversations, we will not do it. We will find every reason not to do it, in fact. We might not verbalize it as it's impossible, but we're acting like it is with our actions. We talk and talk, but we have so much trouble doing. And I, and I often find that people do have bad experiences. I get it. We do have bad experiences where you've tried to share the gospel and it just didn't work. And I hear these stories, right? And I'm sorry that didn't work. But is Jesus calling you to try one time and give up? Is Jesus calling you to do this and say, you know what, it was impossible there, it's going to be impossible there, just go ahead and give it, give it a rest, Jimmy. That's not what Jesus is calling us to do, right? If we read this parable, I think it's the exact opposite of what he's asking us to do. We talk all the time about how unreceptive the world is. I hear people talk about, oh, our, our country is no longer a Christian nation. Guess what? We never were. We're, God had people literally in a theocracy were saying, God, is, God say, I am your king, I am your ruler. And guess what people wanted? They wanted a human being. That was a, a godly nation, but they were not. So it makes us think that we are. We need to get back to the ways. We're all so lost. There's, no, there's never been a time in human history where we've been absolutely connected with God outside of the very, very beginning. We've all been so lost for so long. So why are we so confused when the world has different opinions about how we should live our life? We shouldn't be confused. We should see it as an opportunity to change minds. We should not be surprised by the world. I hear people talk, oh, Disney's got this going on. Guess what? The Di Disney is the world. Disney's not God. Why are we surprised when Disney does something crazy or when TV does something crazy? We shouldn't be surprised. But yet we say, oh, we're just not a Christian nation. Guess what? Jesus promises us one thing, that we're going to face persecution. We're going to face trials. These things are going to happen. And the things that we often talk about barely, uh, are, are, are barely dignified as persecution. You want to see persecution, go read Acts. For real, go, go read Acts. Or go, not just read Acts. Look at the news that Christians all around the world facing like life and death persecution every single day. So when we complain, oh, I can't pray in the break room, guess what? You still can pray in the break room. You still can have those conversations. Your life is not being threatened. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but what I'm saying is that we should not be surprised when the world is unreceptive to the gospel. That's all I'm saying. Jesus says very, so, so much every single time he talks to people, right? You are going to be persecuted in this world. People are going to not like you because of me. That truth is still true today. We should not be surprised. And I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to make you seem like, oh, Jimmy, you, you think the world is an okay place? No. 
The world needs us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, but we should not be surprised when people don't like us because of it. People were never all that good. And I'm standing before you as a manifestation of people not being all that good. I'm just a guy, you're just a person, but, but thankfully we're redeemed by Jesus and he makes us more than we could ever be on our own. But I get back to this truth that's so encouraging. I can be such a Debbie Downer about how the world is so far from God and always has been so far from God, but Jesus tells us this, that good soil exists. It exists, it's real. There are people and there's opportunity and there are places where we can bring the kingdom of God and people are going to receive it and it's going to transform their lives. And the fact is, people in this room are a manifestation of this truth. We have to let this continue to be truth in our lives if we want to actually make disciples in this world. Stop being so depressed and down about how how far the world has fallen. Yeah, that's true. It always has been true. But this is also true. This is also true. Good soil exists. So what do we do with this? Jesus tells us that the farmer, he, he sows the seed. And guys, we are the farmer. We are called to do this. We are called to be about this in our lives. So what do we do from, from here? Where, where do we go? The first thing is I want you guys to walk away thinking this. Consider all soil good soil until you're proven wrong. This is hard. Because I guarantee so many of you in different aspects have been discouraged by different people and places in your life where you've been rejected because of your faith. And I, I'm not trying to, under, please don't walk away saying that Jimmy doesn't care about that. I do care. And, and Jesus does care. But I think that until we recognize that there is an opportunity for soil to be good and just go in with that assumption, it can change everything right? Don't judge a person, uh, don't judge a book by its cover, right? If you ever want to be proven wrong by someone's demeanor, go play pickleball somewhere and find some old people that are going to really, really make you think that you are the old person or you are the the, the lesser like athletic person on the court that day. Me and Jacob go and we play pickleball with these old people and we get beat a lot. (laughs) You walk on the court, say, I'm a young guy. I, I can beat these people. Wrong, right? They're good. Judging a book by its cover, right? But the thing is, I think we do it often. I don't want to have this conversation here. This is obviously not good soil. Guess what? You never know until you try. It's going to be impossible until it becomes possible. You never know until you have that conversation. So I just want to encourage you, consider all soil good soil until you're proven wrong. And the second thing is that success has very little to do with you. We were talking this morning in our young adults Bible class about this very thing. Success has very little to do with how good of a speaker you are or how good of a communicator you are. and has everything to do with the goodness of God. Good soil exists. We have to be the sower, but who makes the plant grow? God, right? So if this is true... It has less to do with how good you are and how good God is. And I believe everybody in this room believes that nothing is impossible with God, right? Right? I want this to be true. But So if that is true, success has very little to do with you and everything to do with God. So I want to encourage you as you go from this place to see opportunities around you. Notice where the Spirit might be leading you. Don't be ashamed of the gospel that you bring. 
And see, all this is possible with the strength of God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for giving us the opportunity this morning uh, to be here. And God, I recognize that uh, we do not live in a Christian nation. We never have. God, we are so far from you. Humanity is so far from you. We have tried and failed time and time again. Your own people always fail you, which seems like ridiculous, but we do it all the time. But God, help us to be fully cognizant and fully aware of your redeeming powers in our lives. Help us to be aware of the good soil around us. Even if we are unaware of it currently, help us to become aware of it daily, where there is good soil for your word to take root and to change the world. God, help us to be more aware. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're hearing this and you're discouraged, I'm sorry, but I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to do something about it. If you're afraid to have these kind of conversations, I am too. I don't always want to have that conversation. It might seem awkward. It might not seem like the right place at the right time. But the more you do it, the impossible becomes possible. The more you have those conversations, the easier it becomes. So if you're afraid, I understand. But please don't let that stop you from trying. Try and fail. That's great too. If you have any concerns or any needs or any prayers or anything that says, Jimmy, just or whoever, I need help today to figure out how to go about this, we want to help you. We have people up front. We have people in the back. Elders are standing there to receive your prayers. If you have any needs at all, we want you to make them known as we stand and sing.